about this? These two. These two people. Uh, I am geeking out to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Mark. Jasmine. What a nerd. Nerd alert. <laughs> Unleashed television. What are you talking about? Anything can be a podcast. Video game. <laughs> what is a geek? Oh, hi, Mark. The whole point is, of course, the plot is. You guys have great conversations. Uh, I am geeking out. Unleashed. Movies. People love movies. All right, you guys, podcast time. You're listening to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Part of the security badass, we take our passions and our fandoms and we turn them into conversations with you. Hello, uh, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 151. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. Each week on the Geeks Unleashed podcast, we catch up on our pop culture lives as well as bring you a review of something adapted from the comic book or gaming world. Yes, and before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would love it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also love it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Also, please feel free to donate to our Ko-Fi. All funds are appreciated. Indeed. Um, and before we go further, uh, just thank you for uh, listening to last week's episode 150. And... Uh, Thank you, Jasmine, obviously, for editing it and putting it together. I had a lot of fun with episode 150, so I hope other people enjoy it as much as we did. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, um, and just going to jump straight into our Geek of the Week. Do you want to go first, Jasmine? So my Geek of the Week, I uh, my theme lately is just like, at the end of the day, I don't have the brain power to keep up with anything complicated. So like I had been reading really easy books on my Kindle unlimited subscription. Um, and I've been watching like lots of slice of life anime. And right now the anime that I'm keeping up with is Skippin' Loafer. It's super cute. It's high school kids, but they're actually sweet. And I don't know, it's just, it's really easy to watch. And it's just like, it makes me smile. Uh, so like at the end of a long day, sitting on my couch for 20 minutes, like it just, it's like the perfect nightcap. <laughs> <laughs> so no brain power required i know what you mean about that like some of the anime is um yeah like i'm not in the mood to watch, to watch jujutsu kaisen yeah. like i i can't keep up right now my at the, at the end of the day my brain is just like no thanks <laughs> or, or like friends or uh something of that ilk like new yeah. girl so just something easy or actually what i said before we started recording some of the action films i've been watching recently yeah so um uh, my Geek of the Week, I'm going to follow on for something I did a couple of weeks ago. My Geek of the Week is Ultimate Black Panther Issue 1. Look at so, that cover. It's nice. Uh, by Brian Hill, uh, writer and artist Stefano Casilli or something. Um, yeah, I'll just show that cover for when the video does go on YouTube. You can see it. Or, or you can just Google it if you're listening right now. Uh, artwork is absolutely fantastic. It's just just jumps out of the page, stunning, detailed. Oh, I love it. And colours are popping. Honestly, colours are absolutely popping. I think for people who are more familiar with the movie... Yeah. I that think it looks the, just like the movie set. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's very, very movie. It feels like something from the movie. That's, mm -hmm. I, I'm not a Black Panther expert in any capacity. Uh, I, I, there's certain most I'm a big Marvel Comics fan um, you know I know who Killmonger is who shows mm -hmm. up towards the end of the issue uh, I know who Black Panther is I know who his sister Shuri is uh, you know, uh, uh, and I'm familiar with Wakanda pretty much from the two movies that came out Yeah, I, I've maybe read over the years one or two Black Panther issues that, that is it um, and I said to Jasmine before we started recording most I'm a big Marvel Comics fan there's huge chunks of the Marvel comics universe that I, I don't know anything about, and Black Panther yeah. is one of them. Uh, and yeah, no, so I, you come into this issue, Black Panther's king, he's married, sister's there, there's already a battle coming to Wakanda, uh, Killmonger is kind of jumping in, helping people, and it's kind of quite a, an impactful, action-packed issue, really, and it, it brings you in. I think as well it's been designed for people who do know about black panther i would say you know it's not there's not that you have to go with any backstory because it's the old the new ultimate universe there's no the backstory is fairly limited um but i love it that 
Black Panther lands right at the very end, final scene, fire is surrounding him, and Black Panther is like, Wakanda is at war. Um, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great issue. It's a great starting point. Uh, I enjoyed Ultimate Spider-Man probably more than this, um, but I thought it was a good start. So what is the deal with these ultimates? What what makes them different? Uh, so I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the ultimate line from years ago, the early two thousands, or not? I know it because you talk about it. I've never read it. Okay, so in the early two thousands, the current writers that they had at the time, that were including Bendis, were um, given the mandate by the editors of Marvel Comics at the time to go and create a new Marvel universe, mm-hmm. um, retelling the the stories and origins of characters that we've known since the 60s and 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 beyond but retelling them in a modern day setting now now those stories went on for a long time i think 10 20 years 10 10, 15 years or something i think it went over 15 years um during that time the ultimate universe did get a few reboots and rejigs and various events uh, and that eventually they killed peter parker off and that led to the miles morales's creation and when they ended the original ultimate universe two characters did come over to the main marvel universe which is miles morales and the evil version of uh, mr fantastic who's called the maker mm-hmm. uh the mate and then in the summer of last year they did an ultimate miniseries where they were going to relaunch the ultimate universe and the maker he actually approached miles and said i'm gonna bring it back miles was like no no i'm all right the maker goes <laughs> off miles is like no i'm good <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going. I'm not getting yeah. involved. And uh, Maker goes off and creates his own brand new Ultimate Universe. However, in this new Ultimate Universe, he controls a lot of the heroes and the fabrics of society because okay. he was aware. He's aware of their origins. And as I said in the Peter Parker one, he denied teenage Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and he became Spider-Man as an adult. Um, I'm not really sure too much about the impact on what the maker had with Black Panther, um, uh, but you know now, now we're we're now picking up the threads. So the next issue that's going to come out in the ultimate, the new ultimate line. So it's a brand new ultimate line. It's not connected with the main Marvel continuity at all, other than the fact that you know, in a sense, there was a baton passing of the maker. So the maker is now gone. It's this new Ultimate Universe. You can pick up any of these first issues, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe having an awareness of those characters is nice. But actually, if you just want to pick up those first issues, they're kind of designed for new readers. And, oh, good and, to know. Uh, and, and you know, I guess it's going to be for fans of those properties to pick them up. For for instance, when I picked up Ultimate Spider-Man issue one, it was cool to see that they'd done the swap over that actually uncle ben was alive but aunt may was dead and mm-hmm. you know there's little twists and turns and actually that peter parker's now a family man married um considering i don't know anything about black panther i don't know what i don't know much other than the films i don't know what twists and turns that they'll have mm-hmm. from from the main marvel universe so i can just go into it and join it i know the next issue of the ultimate universe that comes out is going to be ultimate x-men mm-hmm. uh that's next month as far as I'm aware, it's just those three books that are coming out right now. Um, so we'll have to see. I'm sure if it becomes more popular, they'll add more issues as, as Marvel will love to make money. money as all. Yes. But as all corporations love to make money. So of it does course. Work well. I don't think, though, they would be silly and expand it to eight to ten books a month or anything like that. I, I think they'll probably keep it small, you know, four or five a month. Um, but, yeah, so it's uh, – I don't plan on – I'm not sure if I plan on carrying on with Black Panther at all. I, I will probably do this first run and then I'll see yeah, this first story and see how I feel. Mm-hmm. I will keep the old Spider-Man one going because uh, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Yeah, and, you're a Spidey fan. <clears throat> but also I love, I do love this twist a lot more that he's an adult with kids and a wife and also that Uncle Ben's alive. Well, look, I'm going to keep going with this Black Panther one for now. We'll see what happens. But I enjoyed the first issue, so... There you go. Um, would you would you um, potentially jump into any of these? No, I am not picking up any new comics at the moment. Oh no! I... But if they were co- no, if they were collected like in one story, would you? Probably not. Not for established characters. I just 
I know that sometimes they, they do reboot things and restart things, but it is so hard to jump in unless it's meant to be like a standalone book. Like, well, no, these, no, these are meant to be that you don't have to read, have read anything. Yeah. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually do think you would like this. So maybe when it's collected, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I actually did think you'd quite like it. So, um, right. So, We'll now move into our main event, which oh boy, yeah. So, so just to before we jump into this issue one fifty, we kind of put things on pause because it was time for the one hundred fiftieth episode. We were celebrating Pre- ourselves. So, previous to that, we reviewed the Street Fighter movie and then the Mortal Combat movie that came out in nineteen ninety five. Street Fighter movie came out in ninety four. Mortal Combat came out in ninety five. And now here we are with more Combat Annihilation in, from 1997. Mm-hmm. It was directed by John R. Leonetti. Screenplay and story was Brent V. Friedman and Bryce Zabel. Uh, it's based on the more Combat game by Midway. And it stars Robin Shu as Luke Kang, Talisa Soto as Katana, Brian Thompson as Shao Kahn. Sandra Hess as Sonya Blade, Lynn Red Williams as Jax, Irina Pantaneva as Jade, James Remar as Raiden, and Chris Conrad as Johnny Cage. We have some switcheroos up in there. I think Robin Chu and um, Talisa Soto are the only main character returners from the first film. So, um, so the first appearance of many of these characters is from the third game which actually released in 1995 and the third game was obviously was just mortal kombat 3. i was just looking up the director john um arlianetti mm-hmm. just to get a flavor of his stuff it is yeah odd. he did horror. butterfly effect was his next uh, film main, after this mainly around the horror world insidious chapter two the conjuring him and insidious. james Wan did work together um, on Annabelle yeah. before James Wan did the next Mortal Kombat movie. Um, the Woods, Dead Silent. And you're, one of the things I know you love, he did a few episodes of Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow, man. Oh. Talk about ruining a good thing. Uh, he did The Scorpion King. I think, uh, He did um, 12 episodes from Tales from the Crypt. So essentially, just get a flavor this guy... This is in his wheelhouse, this kind of movie. You know. <laughs> I'm not so sure that's a good thing. <laughs> um, right, okay, so this was released on the 21st of November 1997 with a running time of 95 minutes, a budget of $30 million, and a box office taking of a whopping $51.3 million US dollars. Womp, womp. This movie had $10 million more in its budget than the first movie, and it still flopped. I don't know where they put that money because it was definitely not into the special effects. Well, I mean, I heard the run, the reason for some of that, I mean, switcheroo on the cast was that they didn't want to pay them the money they wanted. So I don't know. I feel like the cast might've just read the script and was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Fun facts. Um, there weren't too many fun things <laughs> to talk about with this movie. So one thing I did notice, Paul W.S. Anderson said that he was very disappointed. He turned down this sequel because he wanted to go and make Event Horizon. Event Horizon is my favorite horror film of all time ever. <coughs> um, it's a fantastic movie. Anyway, so he did not come back for the second Mortal Kombat. <clears throat> and he said that he was so disappointed with the way that the franchise turned that it impacted him so much that when he did Resident Evil, and did not come back to direct the second Resident Evil film. He stayed on as a producer for most of the series because he at least still wanted to be a part of the vision of the franchise going forward because he said he regretted his decision to not stay involved with Mortal Kombat so badly uh, because this movie was so awful and such a deviation from everything he did with the first film. So I thought that was really interesting that it changed the course of a director's life where he was like, you know what, even if I'm not coming back to direct it, like I'll be a producer. That's totally fine. Like y'all need to be consulting me. Don't be ruining my franchise like this. Um, Good people people learn from their mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, resident evil has definitely had its ups and downs, but I think resident evil is one of those kinds of series where it's just like, 
you take it at face value, everything is a bit different, but it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like the first film, great. Second film, the but like the one that they did in 3D, I think that was the fourth or fifth one. I really like that one. And I was like, how do we get like five films in and now you're into Resident Evil again? Anyway. Um, <clears throat> okay, so fun fact two. This film, like I said before, is based on Mortal Kombat 3, which was released in 95. So now I did, did I did not play Mortal Kombat 3. So I was not familiar with any of the characters when this film came out, <clears throat> any of the new characters when this film came out. And so like in the film, when Liu Kang changes into a dragon to fight Shao Kahn, I was like, what is happening here? Like it totally reminded me of that kid's book series, Animorphs. Where like these kids morph that, into yeah. animals, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so I was like, oh, okay, we, it's we're morphing. Okay, that's fine. Like whatever. <laughs> like I mean, this movie <laughs> is so bad anyway. You might as well just run with it. But it turns out that the switch from Liu Kang morphing into a dragon is actually his finishing move in the third game, and then he bites his opponent in half, and that is like his his brutality, um, or. Yeah, his brutality. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's another game element that they brought into this uh, movie. And then my third set of fun facts is this is all around casting. So there were on the books supposed to be a direct sequel to this film. And thank God we did not get one. They ran into development hell. It was taken forever. And by the time they really were ready to like put some money down, um, they ended up losing their set because the set that they were planning or the, the stage where they were planning to film the third movie was destroyed during Hurricane Katrina. Um, so that took that out of there. Now, as far as like some of the cast, so Lyndon Ashby and Christopher Lambert were obviously asked to come back. So was uh, Bridget, Bridget Sampras, Wilson? No, Wilson Sampras. Um, and all of them, took one look at the script and said, no, thanks. Um, although sometimes Christopher Lambert says he said no because of Highlander, but Highlander didn't come out until 98 or 99. <laughs> like, it was <laughs> So I'm pretty sure he read the script also and was just very much like, no, I'm good. Um, <clears throat> and both of the creators of Mortal Kombat, Ed Boon, <laughs> he was like, of all the things that I have done with this franchise, of all the, the hard work that we went, went into the first film, into the games, he was just hurt. He was like, this is the absolute worst thing I have ever worked on in my entire life. This is like the bottom of the barrel of the entire Mortal Kombat franchise. He was just so like adamant about how awful of an experience this was and how horrible of a time he had and I was just like that has got to be awful to see your creation just like get bazookaed like and for what reason like I just I don't even know how they made this movie as bad as they made it like it just it boggles the mind um so some other fun casting people Michael Jai White was supposed to be Jax in this movie but instead Michael Jai White did one of Mark's favorite movies and he did Spawn <laughs> instead. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm not going to fault him for that because like, would you rather play a bit character in this film or would you rather play a lead role in another video game film? Like, I would rather play the lead role. So, um, <clears throat> Michael Jai White left, no, did not sign on and he did Spawn instead. Um, Ray Park, who is a name that you might not be very familiar with, but I guarantee you, you recognize Ray Park in makeup because immediately after he did this film, he was <coughs> Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. Um, he's played Toad. He was uh, Snake Eyes in the Marlon Wayans and Channing Tatum G.I. Joe franchise. Um, so Ray Park's done a lot of stuff, but this was his very first time on screen. He was James Remar's stunt double as uh Raiden in here um who else we got oh so Keith Cook who Keith Cook was in the other movie so he is the third actor in this film that was also in the original film Keith Cook played Reptile 
in the first film. And Keith Cook played Sub-Zero's brother in this film, which <laughs> really, is that is yeah. that how we introduce like, oh, I'm Sub-Zero's brother. Well, how do you explain Scorpion? Because Scorpion died in the first movie. Like, how did Scorpion come? Are you Scorpion's I think brother? Scorpion, I think Scorpion's meant to be undead. I guess. I think Scorpion's meant to be like undead and can never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the last little bit here, Robin Shu. So their filming schedule was so tight for this movie that even though Robin Shu is a martial artist himself, he is a stunt coordinator. He does a lot of his own stunts. His time was so tight on this film that most of his fight sequences were filmed with the stunt double. And the stunt double they used to play Liu Kang is Tony Jaa, which anybody who is a fan of martial arts films, knows Tony Jaa from the Ong Bak series, the Thai fighting series. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. So this was one of the earlier things that Tony Jaa was in as well. So that's all I got for fun facts. And I think that's probably where the fun stops with Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation. <laughs> right, okay. So um, I think you're, yeah, you're probably right there. Right, okay, so the IMDb summary, a group of martial arts warriors have only six days to save the Earth from extra-dimensional invasion, uh, which is just kind of ridiculous because that's basically what was the plot of the first one. Yes. Or very, very similar. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Right, okay, so I, I've never played Mortal Kombat 3. From, I mean, maybe I've played it, I can't remember, but have you... If, I don't really remember particularly what more comics I've played. But. I played the the first iteration that they released on Super NES. I played that one. And then I didn't play Mortal Kombat again until we got the new gen consoles. So I didn't play Mortal Kombat again until it was like super high def graphics on Xbox. Like that's how mm -hmm. that's how much time I was away from the Mortal Kombat franchise. So no, I never played Mortal Kombat 3. No, I mean, I, I remember playing it, I think, on, like I say, on the last episode that we talked about Mortal Kombat, I played around friends' houses and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but I never was a big particular Mortal Kombat fan. Um, I would say of the fighting games, I preferred Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat. Um, however, of the two films, I preferred the Mortal Kombat 95 film over the Street Fighter 94 film. Yeah, So It'd be quite interesting when we've done these four films. <laughs> Like when we do when we do the next week's episode, yeah. Um, anyway, what what also when when we do them all, what our overall thoughts are on all four of them. So yeah, well, I did. I mean, I think honestly, like I played the Mortal Kombat one when it hit Super NES. I played that one, and I'm pretty sure I did not play Mortal Kombat again until Mortal Kombat ten, mm -hmm. because Xbox at the time they had it on Game Pass, so like it was included in my subscription essentially. So. I downloaded Mortal Kombat 10, and that was the next time that I played the Mortal Kombat franchise. So, <clears throat> we both watched this movie, and I don't think I saw this, I don't think I've seen this movie before. This was um, my second watch, that's it. And and now I remember exactly why. I had only ever seen it one time before this. <laughs> so, uh, this is the part of the episode where we talk about our overall thoughts on the episode. Um do you want to go first or shall I go no, first? No, absolutely not. You go first. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So uh, for me, after what was actually a surprisingly fun right. original movie in 1995, it's just a shame that the 97 follow-up, what we got actually was terrible acting, a script that felt like oh. it was written for the day, um, and a lot of a lot of flipping. Like just There seemed to be a lot of flipping going on. Yes, um, yes. Uh, fight scenes that drove really a weak plot. Oh, uh, yeah. It was like the plot was filled in to, to fill the gaps of the, the fights. Yes. Um, they just needed something to do between flips. That's all. Now, obviously, I don't know whether it was paychecks or people reading scripts or whatever the reason was why we didn't get the bigger actors to return. To me, it just felt like what we did was we got Buffy and X-Files TV Villain of the Week episodes to... And, and some of them are like some of them are actually from Buffy and Exiles. I recognise them <laughs> to fill in actually the the, the cast. Yeah. So, uh, 
in the previous episode, I, I did shout out, I love Linda Nashby as uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Cage, who for me was a clear standout actor. Uh, and for him to be recast and killed off in the first five minutes, I think they were doing the new guy a favour. So I think he locked out <laughs> getting out there pretty quickly. Um, I, I, a bit I did love, um, a couple of bits I did love. I loved the EDM music and the video game catchphrases. I was, they, they were good, good handoffs. Probably didn't cost them any money as they had them already from the last film. Yep. Um, thoughts on the CGI. CGI was just weaker than something I could design on Paint Shop Man. myself. It was it was really awful. Yeah. Um, the only thing, the only bit I give credit for here was some of the Sub Zero CGI. It was actually all right. Um, so, uh, and then the only fight I particularly enjoyed. Or oh, we can talk about this in a minute, but it was. Actually, I'll save the, the fight conversation, but overall, I think this is a really poor, weak handoff. Uh, and, and it did make me think, sometimes you don't need a sequel. Like We, we had actually not, not a bad first movie. It made a lot of money. Uh, and people actually walked away with mixed to, to loved feelings for the film. It, it did really well financially. People sort of enjoyed it from what I can gather it's not particularly slated I think critics slated it but fans actually on the most part loved it and actually asked for more fight scenes in the first one yes this one however when I was watching it I just thought like can't you guys just leave things alone I know you designed it with a cliffhanger but even even then like the the cliffhanger was kind of just part of the whole world of Mortal Kombat and I think people would have been fine with it yeah you could let your imagination fill it in it was not one of those like burning questions like oh my god I have to know yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so I think overall, this was a really unfortunately terrible follow-up with, and I, there's a lot, a lot went wrong here, scripts and and casting and budget and and direction and and just, just everything really. So the script massively let it down, oh. I think. So. I, I often struggle to ever think of a worse follow-up film. Like, Annihilation has been at the top of my list since 1997. Like, it it is just so disappointing that you got something so exciting and so cool with the first film, and then this one was just absolute garbage. And, like, even in 97, I remember walking out of the theater and just being so upset at how awful this film was. Like... I never ever watched it again on VHS. Like I never, I have not seen this movie until yesterday. So like I saw it in 1997 and then I saw it again yesterday. That That is it. Like, <clears throat> and it is even worse now. Like the CGI was bad then, but it is so much worse now. Like it's, uh, I just, I don't even understand it. They had, a t- <laughs> they had 10 million more dollars in their budget for this film. And I don't know where it went. Like, is it did not go to stunt choreography. The stunt choreography was awful, which is mind boggling to me because you had the same stunt coordinators that you had in the first film. And like this, the director, um, Leonetti was the cinematographer on the first film. So it's not like this guy just came in out of nowhere with no knowledge whatsoever of what was going on. Like he was the cinematographer on the first film became the director for the second film and then just like this was all the script that first of all the way that Jax was written I was like are you just pulling black people cliches like (laughs) out of your ass to make his dialogue because none of this fits like none of the things that he is saying make any sense whatsoever I don't remember being like upset about that when I was a kid, but like definitely that was one of the first things I noticed rewatching it this time. But like the script was awful. The the like transitions between scenes was terrible. The CGI is laughable. Like this CGI is so bad. It reminded me of that never released Fantastic Four film. Like it was that level of awful. Um <clears throat> the there's no heart there's no nothing like there none of the elements that you fell in love with with the first film make their way to this film like the characters are not likable you're not actually rooting for the mortals this time around it's just kind of like i don't know what's happening here it feels like i don't it's like 
Power Rangers level cheesy. Uh, it's it's just it's such a mess. It's I mean, like the a- Power Rangers cheesiness worked last time, but the but this is almost like um, I think the Power Rangers was brilliant in its first few years with the cast that everybody loves. You know, Tommy, Jason. Um, Kimberly, all of that stuff, uh, and even when we had the the leave, and we had Rocky and Aisha, and um... well, speaking of Power Rangers, you know, Trini actually auditioned for the role of Jade for this film. And oh she- wow, that was amazing! Like, and um, but yeah, they so they the original cast, all that cheesiness, I love. But as it went on, and it became as they re- as they change the cast every yeah. few seasons. I haven't kept up to date with the Power Rangers world, also that probably coincides with me being an adult, but. <laughs> you know, from the odd bit I have seen, it, it, it's really awful. And this does fall in line with something they make in today's standards of, of Power Rangers. That definitely felt like they were a lot more involved. The Power Rangers and the Saban world were seemed to care about those characters back then. And that goes to show yeah. with this, there's been <clears throat> lack of care here. Um, yeah, so I just, just want I wanted to none of that. And like all of those minions and all, it all just felt like the putties, like. I don't like why are these people here you take one hit and then they're done you know it was just like I don't and and I think like just as someone who grew again like I am the kid that grew up watching the old kung fu movies like the really badly dubbed English movies because we didn't have subtitled movies what like my family did not like them when I was younger but that stuff was like martial art brilliance right like and then to get something so good in the first film, like the fight sequences in the first film are so phenomenal. Yet in this film, it's just like, again, it's the same people. You have the same stunt coordinators. Like, I don't understand why there is such a big disc. Like, you don't, you don't get any of the fun elements of the fight sequences, like from the game. Because in the first film, you do, like, you especially when they have the one-on-one fights like Sonya fighting Kano and then Johnny Cage fighting Scorpion and of course Liu Kang fighting Sub-Zero and Liu Kang fighting Reptile like those are all really great fights like and there are none here like you you didn't bring over any of the elements that people loved from the first film which Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that just defeats the whole purpose um something you said a minute ago I quickly jumped on I quickly looked something up based on what you said you said I struggled to think of a worse follow-up movie than this, and I actually got googled terrible follow-up movies, and I have found an article on um, Rotten Tomatoes editorials. So it's not by a contributor, and um, uh, on a list of fifty-nine movies, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is number twenty on their list. Uh, and so they think there are nineteen worse follow-ups than this one. No, I won't shout them all out, but Speed Two is nineteen. Um, there's a pretty much all of the police academies. Well, there's oh. a three police, <laughs> three police academies are in 15, 14, and 13. Okay. Um, one of the crow follow ups is number 12. Okay. <clears throat> uh, the ring two is number eight. Uh, uh police academy four is number six. <laughs> Highlander two is number five. Um, Return to Blue Lagoon is number three. Jaws of Revenge is number two. And their number one is Super Babies, Baby Genius 2. Now, I don't even okay, know what I've Super Babies is. I don't, even, I don't even know what Super Babies is. Uh, so, um, however, I have seen the Police Academy films, but I don't, I'm, like, I don't remember them well enough to, to say whether or not they belong that high. But honestly, like... None of those films, not even Speed 2, none of those films are worse, a worse follow-up than this one. Not in my book. I still put this I would say Speed 2 list. is better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But anyway, we can talk about that later. Right, okay. So, there was quite a few characters in this movie. None of them got any character development at all. Uh, and some of the, the only thing is, I'd say Raiden got a haircut, which was cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> or not, not so cool. I preferred him with the long hair, if I'm honest. So... Uh, Johnny Cage died fairly quickly, so yeah. the new actor didn't get a chance to flex any acting muscle. I think he had three lines. I looked up Chris Conrad's backstory on uh, IMDb, and th- this movie is pretty much in there with the kind of stuff he does. So you know, it- it's just full of Part garbage. Of so yeah, so uh, you know, whilst they saved him being in a crappy movie, um, he went on to go and make other crappy things. So. <laughs> Uh, 
But from all of that said, do you have a, a favorite character or, or slash actor in this movie? No, nobody. <laughs> do you know what? Because you shouted out Liu Kang last last time, and um, even he was pretty weak in this movie. I'll be yeah. honest. Yeah. So the only thing I would say I really liked was Sub Zero, and I know it was his brother, but I I, I did quite like seeing a bit more of Sub Zero. But Sub Zero is always my favorite character from the games. So. <laughs> uh, I always remember a call. Um, they, they did some more combat games, and I remember like a, a, I had a really cool Sub Zero poster. Or, or, I don't know if it was a comic or something, but it was it was an illustration done by. Um, oh, I forget the uh, the illustrator's name now. But anyway, it was a really cool. It was in the nineties. I had a really cool Sub Zero uh, uh, manga styled poster. Yeah, uh, I haven't got it anymore. But yeah, so That's I think cool. I like more. I like more combat. So seeing, see, sorry, I like Sub Zero. So seeing him have a bit, a little bit more. And the fact that he takes his mask off and speaks this time is pretty yeah. cool. Um, this movie, the structure of this movie to me is pretty straightforward. We follow on from the first one. <clears throat> And that's quite clear at the beginning. In fact, actually, the first 10 minutes are fairly straightforward. And, and, then, and then you kind of then, and it is very much like Rita Repulsa. And yes. uh, it, it, it to me is a TV movie rather than a cinema movie. Yes. And so have a bunch of villains show up and they're all like, they are. I, I, I know we keep comparing this to more uh, to Power Rangers, but it does feel very much like that. They are uh, the putties, I'm telling you. Yeah. And Johnny Cage gets killed off pretty quickly. And then from then on, it just feels like a ludicrous tale of plot, uh, uh, you know, kind of driven by fight scenes and create just, I don't know, flipping and being in balls of metal balls that roll into hell. And, and then you've got some weird monologues of some of the sort of some of the Buffy villains in the, I don't, it's just, and then at the at end, at one point, Ray, it turned into Journey to the Center of the Earth, where it was like, yeah. oh, we're going to use the heat from the thermal layer of the Earth to fly through the places in the ball thing. To get to, I think it's okay. to get to Outworld. They use the, the the lava in the Earth to get oh, to steer. Uh, I just thought, I'd love to know how they made this up. It was a real drunk night in, in yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah, seriously. Um, but anyway, the structure of the film, in honesty, is quite all over the place. The plot is as weak as anything. It's pretty much a copy and paste from last the last it movie, but, but just worse. Like, it's just yeah. worse. Any any thoughts on it? No, it, it I, there's nothing to think about. Like because if you think about it too hard, none of it makes sense. None of it at all. Like they like we we get Katana's mom. They resurrect her, but it, there's still never any explanation on how that happened what the purpose was or an explanation on how they resurrected her dead body and then at the end of the film it's like oh magically she's human and she's alive again like what, oh. what are you talking about <laughs> i think with the first movie it was a fairly fairly decent plot like for, for what it was i mean yes the first movie it was very much like you have to fight to save the world okay great <laughs> i get it that's a very understandable thread line that anybody <laughs> could follow whereas with this one it was like well, Katana is the key. Well, no, Katana's not the key. It's Katana's mom, but Katana's mom is dead. Well, she got resurrected dead. And then Raiden and Shao Kahn are brothers and their father oh. is an elder god. And I don't know what is happening here. What is happening? It's like when you give, like, to the last film, you know, saviors of Earth have to find a tournament. And if they win, they stop all these bad guys coming to Earth. Right. But, you know, it is, you know, you're not going in expecting highbrow no it, it was fairly obvious what you were going in for and it was fine it worked mm -hmm. then because it worked too well we then ended up with this so like well how can we make a sequel because actually we've established the rules of the movie or, or the more combat world that you know they win for a generation so there shouldn't be another more combat for another generation mm -hmm. what they could have done was actually follow that up with maybe what the next generation might look like rather than you know maybe more combat 2 could have just been set 30 40 50 years from now and and it's the next generation and maybe you see Liu kang have to deliver three heroes to earth and and mm -hmm. you know they could have they could have pulled some of the other more combat characters that we hadn't seen like jacks or or whatever and, and, and you know that, that you know that would have been a much cooler way of doing it set it 40 years from now 
maybe the beginning starts off with somebody getting killed that we know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about changing things now. But anyway, so, right, there's a lot of fight scenes in this movie, and some of them are good, kind of, mm. and some of them are bad. Most. Oh. Mostly. <laughs> okay, look, what, what would you say was uh, the worst one? Oh, my God. The worst one had to have been the very end one. The end with Liu Kang fighting Shao Kahn. Like, mm. it was terrible. And then they morphed into this horrible CGI creatures. And it was just like, what? What is? What am I watching? Like, uh, I just, uh, uh, <laughs> I was so I, bad. I, I, I'm going to say the only one I actually enjoyed was the Sub-Zero Scorpion one. I thought that was brilliant. I thought, I thought that, that was, really one was good. terrible. Oh, I liked it. I liked it. I like. I liked this. I liked seeing it. I liked. It's just because it was Sub Zero. It gets passed. So I get it. That uh, one was uh, definitely fan service because everybody loves to see Sub Zero and Scorpion fighting each other because they are mortal enemies, right? Like, yeah, I like. Okay, I, I'll concede. I'll give you that one. But the only one I actually enjoyed was Raiden fighting those three like shadow reptiles. I like, I like the Sub-Zero and he creates the ice bridge and they have the fight and Scorpion's like, get over here. And I was like, yep, yeah, yeah I, I can get into this. And it's a shame. In honesty, when you say worse, they were all terrible. They were all awful. I, I mean, that's the, sh that's the shame of it is it was a terrible, terrible script, terrible. There was no plot uh, or whatever. And then the fights didn't even make up for it. It wasn't like yes, exactly. brilliant, Thank brilliant you. fights to go in with it. So. Right. right, and that that could have been like a saving grace, right? It could have been like, yeah, the plot sucks and this, that, and the other, but the fight sequences were really great, and you couldn't even say that because they were terrible. So I jumped ahead a minute ago in terms of what I would have changed or anything. What I, what I would have changed really is probably just not made this film. Yeah. However, like I think if they really wanted to make a Mortal Kombat two, they should have set it at the next generation. They could have carried some of the cast over, got rid of Christopher Lambert, maybe would have been a bit older had Liu Kang do a handover and bring in some other more combat characters and, and, and essentially just be more combat too, you know, and I, I think people could have got behind that if it was another tournament style movie and, you know, probably similar to the first one. And, you know, that, that's it. I really just feel they shouldn't have made it if I'm honest. Yeah. As, okay. So my first response would be, it never should have been made. My second response would be, they should have done a prequel. This this would have been a great opportunity to do a prequel because in the first film, Liu Kang says, I am the chosen one because he said he's the descendant of Kung Lao. Who the hell is Kung Lao? And what did he do that was so great that has Shang Tsung shaking in his boots? You know, like I would have done a sequel about Kung Lao. That's what mm -hmm. I would have done. It would yeah. have been a whole yeah. thing about how Liu Kang's family has this lineage of being warriors and Mortal Kombat, yada, yada, yada. That's what I would have done. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Like that would have been a good idea too. So either a prequel or <clears> some sort of sequel that's set at the next generation. This this chaotic mess of oh well, number one did really well, so let's just break our own rules and go to Earth anyway. So that means, in a way, the first one was completely pointless. You, yeah. You just, yeah. So in 1997, um, and I did look this up before the movie, uh, before the, the before we did this episode. I found several people that had made lists of worst movies of 1997. And a lot of those lists included Speed 2, Batman and Robin, Steel, Beverly Hills Ninja, Turbo Power Rangers movie, which is <laughs> ironic considering what we've been credited to, uh, Double Team, Spawn. <clears throat> There's many movies that, that made the worst list on multiple people's articles I've kind of just brought across a selection of um, crossover ones where they were getting mentioned more than once. Uh, what was your first, what, what do you think was your worst movie of 997 on that list? It's still Annihilation. <laughs> yeah. it's still, my, uh, my second worst movie would be Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I think this is out of that list of ones I just shouted out, Annihilation is the worst. Yeah. Of those ones that I shouted out, I'll, I'll be honest, I think Speed 2 was actually the strongest of those uh yeah 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 that's fair yeah. <laughs> now not to completely um <laughs> say the 997 was terrible no 97 was a great year 
1997, we had some real, real excellent movies. Donnie Brasco, Fifth Element, Full Monty, Jackie Brown, Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, Men in Black, The Lost World, which is a dress part two, Liar Liar, Air Force One. Now, that's just a bunch of them. I'm sure there's obviously others. But from what I shouted out, do you think you had a favourite of 97? Hell yeah, Fifth Element, hands down. <laughs> I do not. There, there's so many good movies in there. Jackie Brown's amazing. Fifth Element's yeah. amazing. L.A. Confidential I'll... is a phenomenal film. I will, I will give it that. Like if I was going highbrow, I would definitely pick L.A. Confidential. But like personal favorite, Fifth Element. I've watched Fifth Element 30, 40 times. I've watched The Lost World. 50 times i love air force one. Oh my god air force i think one. i, think I I'm still call air force one <laughs> get I'm off my plane <laughs> i'm gonna agree with you here fifth element is is definitely my favorite from night seven so yep. now I, I watched another movie earlier in the week i'm not gonna talk about that but i i sort of said this to somebody i went into <laughs> it with the expectations of what i was going into mm-hmm. so when you walk into a christopher nolan film you expect to walk out amazed with with annihilation from what i'd heard from you and my general gut feel i I lowered my expectations but do you think adjusting your expectations helps with this movie no i think i know i because i'm telling you this this movie had such an impact on me in 97 like because the first mortal Kombat is in my top five favorite films of all time. Like it, it will forever have a place in the top five. And so coming off that high of like, wow, this is the most amazing movie movie ever. And then seeing this sequel, like this sequel ruined me when I was a kid, just because it was like, I at the time I did not know how to tamp down my expectations. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't have that ability as a kid going into the sequel. So everything that I thought I was going to get, it was just like dashed. Like it just all crumbled right there in the theater. It was just like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, I just, (laughs) it was so much worse than I ever, ever could have imagined it would have been. And I, I mean, there was like doubt because I remember all of us thinking like, this trailer sucks. Like, we we were not excited about what we were seeing already. Mm-hmm. And then just like actually seeing the delivered product, I was like, no, this is so much worse than like what I imagined. So back then I was not able to taper my expectations. Like, and rewatching it last night, it was kind of like, wow, this movie is way worse than I remembered. Like, and of course, like, that's just, I'm much older now. Like I have a, a different eye, but like, yeah, <laughs> I, I just, it personally, it did not help me for this film because I was not in an, at an age where tapering my expectations was a thing for me. So in um, general, though, I think that does help. Um, Cause I think, I do think yeah, I do think that. Yeah. Helps, Cause yeah. I remember I was also super disappointed with the uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village because The Village was touted as like, this really crazy horror movie and yada 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 and so i went to see the village expecting a horror film and they reveal the monster in the first three minutes of the film and it's not even a monster and i was like you just you just spent six months marketing this movie as a horror film and like you completely flipped the script three minutes in like i think it's been six six cents i will talk about him six cents Amazing. I love Unbreakable. I love uh, Signs. Signs is uh, one of my faves. Love it. Um, I love Unbreakable. Uh, oh, what's the sequel to that? Um, oh, there's a sequel. Mr. Glass. To... No, that's the third sequel. There was the one in the middle. Oh, oh Split. With Split. Uh, James McAvoy. Yeah, yeah. Split, Split was amazing. Yeah. But I think outside of that, he is very hit and miss, I'd say. So, yeah. But um he is known as the twist king which unfortunately is a bit of a downfall you go into his movies expecting the twist and right okay so no i agree with you about the 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 expectation thing so i think you can go into a lot of movies and you have to set your expectations and sometimes you go into them with too high expectations and i think some people when they come out slating certain movies over the years and they say movies and they're like oh it's awful and i'm like yeah but 
did you know what you were going to watch? Because I mean, right. it was never going to be like mm-hmm. brilliant. Like, yeah. and I think you do have those why. things, like you said. You, you, like Christopher Nolan. Like, I expect there to be some kind of brain thing that I'm going to have to pay attention. Like, I expect something highbrow if I'm going to a Christopher Nolan movie. If I'm going to go see Mission Impossible, or if I'm going to go see Top Gun, like hell yeah, of course I'm expecting like crazy mad special effects and really awesome and like, action scenes and right? all that. Yeah. Uh, with this more combat movie and not Annihilation, I went in expecting it to be garbage. However, I did not anticipate it to be actually as bad as it a was. Steaming pile of garbage. Like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, to the point where they're. Like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest. The last half an hour, I did press that skip button a couple of times. Like not not to get skip like five minutes or anything. It was just to forward the conversations on a little bit. So I was just like, this is really. So and I really try. I really tried to not forward anything, especially when I'm doing the reviews on them. Yeah. But it was really, really difficult. Uh, and yeah, and and look, I know you could say, oh, it has an age. Well, you know, maybe, yeah, there, there could be a whole argument of aging stuff. But I imagine this was as bad in '97 as it, it is today. So I mean, it, the aging has made it worse. But yes. when you, the point of why I compared them to other '97 films, even in the list of worst films. This still is actually one of the worst films of all those worst films. Yes, uh, and, and that's Power saying Rangers, a lot. <laughs> even Power Rangers, a Turbo movie, was stronger than this. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I do remember that film because so I was pleased. The that, um, only good Jason thing Kimberly about this movie, like you said earlier, was the music. That's it. Every yeah. time the music kicked on, I was like, "Okay, I'm." What I'm watching is terrible, but at least it sounds cool. Um, so the soundtrack to me, is the only good thing and the only redeeming factor of this entire film. Okay, so let's rate this and uh, not not allow ourselves to spend <laughs> any more time on Annihilation. Right, I'm going to give this a 0.5 out of 5. Same, same. Actually, hold on, I'm going to give it a 0.25 out of 5. Okay, <laughs> I will go 0.5 because I still think that it was not as bad as Man-Thing. So now, like, Man-Thing is my base minimum for, like, worst thing ever. Um, so that now I judge like was it worse than Man Thing? No, not quite, but it was not much better. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll stick at 0.5. 0.5 for 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 the win. Right, okay. So next episode we're gonna be finishing off our, our fighting <laughs> films. We we by the way, I appreciate there are other fighting films out there, uh like Dead or Alive and the Tekken movies and all the rest of them. We'll one day come back to those. But next episode we are gonna review Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li. So again, based off the Street Fighter films, uh, games, sorry. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, X. Uh, come say hello. Yep. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast: Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We're everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.